wise words from a godly man. It's very encouraging to me, like I was sharing uh, at the break. For me, this is like a shot in the arm. To be able to be here with friends, brothers and sisters, with a tough message, but preaching mostly to the choir. But, you know, with the age of the Internet and uh, the technology, there's a lot of people listen from afar. And I want to be sensitive to that. Because, except for the grace of God, I believe that uh, we all could be deceived, and the Word of God. This message, once we get it up on the screen, and I need to go to another mode here. title is Proclaiming the Gospel in the Midst of Last Day's Apostasy. I shared with you that I want to be somewhat more positive. And I'm going to begin with this portion of Scripture, Matthew 16, 13 to 18. By the way, let me clarify. In the last session, I had a couple of portions up there that looked like it was I was quoting from the Bible when it was actually my notes. Uh, so make sure if you're watching this and you go back, you'll note that some statements that were made were not Scripture. They were actually uh, statements that were made by others or myself with regards to what the Scriptures actually meant or what they state. So we need to clarify. And... Someone pointed that out to me, which is a very good uh, find, because we don't want to be just throwing out some words and saying they're Scripture, because then we're guilty of apostasy ourselves. Matthew sixteen thirteen to 18. <clears throat> when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, there's a certain group professing to be Christians that say that this gave the license for Peter to become the first pope. I won't say much about that except nonsense. Why would Jesus hand off the church to a man who later in the same context said, get behind me, Satan. Now, I, I can't miss this because uh, I was just in Rome and I was in St. Peter's and I was in a cubicle just off the side 
of St. Peter's where they have the list of all the popes. From St. Peter's at the top down through the ages. Of course, there's quite a few missing because, well, you know the history of the Catholic Church. One year there's two, 1978. That was the year that one was assassinated. Well, that isn't common knowledge, I guess. And down at the bottom, there's a little space, and they don't have Pope Francis up there yet. But beneath that, they have the last pope, and you're not going to believe this, I should have put it in the presentation. It's a goat's head. A goat with horns. I took several pictures, and I was asked to leave the room. The guy kept saying, no pictures. You can go there next time you're there and have a look. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. He's the creator and the redeemer, according to Colossians chapter 1. The gospel is God's sovereign plan to save man. It's this gospel, it's the gospel according to the scriptures. The gospel according to the scriptures. That's very important. Lots of people talk about the gospel these days, but they don't use the scriptures. There's another gospel. There is another spirit. There's another Christ. That's one of Satan's most effective ways to convince people that they believe when they've been deceived. And Jesus said, many will stand before him on judgment day and they'll say, oh, but Jesus, we did all these things in your name. And Jesus will say to them, depart from me, you who practice iniquity, I never knew you. That means there will be honest, Jesus-believing people that never believed in Jesus and spent eternity in hell. Sobering thought. Satan hates the gospel. And he has many ways to deceive people from believing in the gospel. But we need to understand that the church of Jesus Christ will be triumphant. But remember, it's a narrow way. Not a wide way. Bible prophecy. That's primarily the theme of what this message will be about. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19, it says that we have a also more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well, you take heed. Take means pay attention. Bible prophecy, the Bible says it's like a light unto our path. The Word of God is like light. Light shines into the darkness. Darkness hates the light. So isn't it any wonder when you come up with Bible prophecy, which is light of the Word of God, and you shine it into the darkness by people who don't want to believe in Bible prophecy, that the darkness isn't going to like it? That's what I'm finding. I've been in ministry almost 40 years, ever since I actually became a believer. Well, the first few years I was an apprentice, and then I just ended up getting involved. But over those 40 years, I've seen some major changes within Christianity. It used to be that people believed the Bible. 
They used to believe, for example, the Genesis record was the Genesis record. They used to believe that Bible prophecy was Bible prophecy. They used to believe that Israel was Israel. They used to believe when a pastor got up and spoke from the Word of God, that it was important. But now pastors sometimes get up and tell stories. A lot of changes. Which to me is quite troubling. And these changes, I think, can be easily understood in light of some of the scriptures that I'm going to share with you now from the New Testament. And I'm not going to read all of the verses because I want to get the rest of this message in the time frame that we have. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 7, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except they're coming to falling away first. That's important. There's going to be a falling away. What does that mean? Falling away from, what would you fall away from? The faith. What is the faith? The faith is trusting and believing in the word. Faith comes by hearing the word. So people are going to fall away from the faith for a faith. Now, these thoughts aren't particularly my own. I traveled many years with Dave Hunt in many places, many countries. And that was one of Dave's favorite verses. You know, people were calling faith, faith, but it wasn't biblical faith. That's exactly what's happened. A lot of people are saying, well, let's just get together based on faith. You know, let's be purpose-driven. We can work with Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, you name it. As long as it's a man of faith, we can work together for the cause of good. That is not the gospel. That's a falling away from the faith. Second Thessalonians 2, 7, 11, it continues, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, referring to the Antichrist. Listen, the deception, the falling away, is a result of the working of Satan. I made reference to this earlier. You can't understand deception in the past. You can't understand deception in the present unless you understand there's a deceiver, the one who deceived the whole world, the serpent, the dragon, the devil. And as we approach the end of the end, Satan's agenda intensifies. It heats up. First Timothy 4 and 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There it is again. Departing from the faith. That means falling away from the faith. Why? Because they've given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That puts it in plain language. So if somebody's teaching things that are not biblical, and, well, they say they're Christian, and it's the new Christianity, or the new Calvary, you know there's a phrase going around now? The new Calvary, the old Calvary. Well, how about the Bible? See, the problem is people are following methods, movements. You need to follow the Word. Seducing spirits know when people are following men and methods. 
And they put in a few more men and methods. And they come up with a few plans. Purpose-driven plans. That really gets people thinking, well, there's another way to do church. And so they do it. Doctrines of devils. Pretty straightforward. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. This know also, in the last days, perilous times shall come, for men will be without natural affection. Every one of these words is a sermon. Let me just pause. Natural affection. Lovers of self. And I heard the other day that, you know, I don't listen to some of this news from Hollywood very often, but I couldn't help but hear that so-and-so took 5,000 selfies in one week. Man, I tried to take a selfie and I can't get the camera in the right position. And when I do, I don't like the picture. (laughs) What's gone wrong with our society? Lovers of self. Psychology. I know this is one of Xavier's areas. I, I don't need to get into it. Psychology. You know, there's no such thing anymore as sin. Can't blame yourself. Love yourself. No, we're to love God. Love ourselves last. Not first. That's the problem. Second Timothy three thirteen, pardon me, First Thessalonians five one to six. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Peace, peace. Peace, P period, E period, A period, C period, E period. The peace plan. Along with Tony Blair, former Prime Minister of England. What is that? Is that in the Bible? No. Well, it's another way, you see, to write peace, but, you know, it's really the same thing. Peace and safety. We're going to make a better planet. Social programs. Hey, there's nothing wrong with social programs. But it's not the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one according to the scriptures that's important. Brethren, you are not in the darkness, so this day should overtake you. As a thief, you are the sons of the light and the sons of the day. We are not in the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Let us watch and be sober. 2 Timothy 3, 13-15 But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and thou hast assured of, knowing whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise 
unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So Paul writing to Timothy gives him some very sound advice. Take heed to the word of God, which you've learned as a child. Now that brings up another whole topic. How many people brought up in Christian homes as children loved the word of God, but as they got older and went to school, they became product of the most po- postmodern generation? And now all of a sudden they're told, yeah, the God of the Bible? Hey, just another God. Or values and standards? There's no right or wrong. By the way, this happens. Now, some of you here my age, a little older, a little younger, but some of you have children, the age of my children, 30s and 40s, brought up in a Christian home, taught to reverence and trust the Bible, but, you know, they've gone through life. And I can tell there's been a change. Now, they'll probably be listening, or they'll have somebody tell them what I said. And I don't want to, in any way, close any doors. But all I'm saying is there's a generation younger than mine, my children's age, who have been influenced by their education. Well, some of them are a little younger than my children. They're they're called millennials. They were born between 1980 and 2000. By the way, they're just right out of touch. They don't talk, they text. They don't write, they print. They have been influenced by the postmodern mindset. Hard to reach. But I also have grandchildren. And they call us Grandma and Papa. And they really love us. And they ask us questions. Hey, hey, Papa, can you teach us the Bible? Now that warms my heart. And I've been thinking a lot lately, maybe that's the generation some of us older ones can reach then maybe they can reach their parents. I don't know. I've just been thinking. It's a strange period of history that we're living in. Jesus asked the question, Luke 18, 8, When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Used to wonder what that meant. Not anymore. Getting to be a rare commodity. Second Peter three two to four, that ye may be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us the apostles of the Lord and the Savior. Knowing this first, there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. the basis of uniformitarianism, the basis of Darwinism, the basis 
of evolution, indoctrination, which causes people to reject the gospel. All things have been the same. Scoffers will say, where's the promise? You know, I've been in the Calvary movement quite a few years, not anymore. I do speak at Calvary's. But when I first got involved, there was an anticipation for the return of Christ. And they told me, well, the Jesus movement was all about Jesus could return at any moment. He's coming. He's going to return. Signs of the times. Chuck Smith constantly told on Bible prophecy. Then it started to dwindle. And I remember the year 2000, 16 years ago. People say, yeah, yeah, he's going to come by the year 2000. Y2K. Didn't happen. So some started to say, not coming, I guess. He delayed his coming. You know what they're saying now? Hasn't come. Maybe he's not coming. Maybe we got it all wrong. Maybe we should build a kingdom. Maybe we should reach out to a whole new generation. Maybe there's another Jesus movement. Well, listen. Jesus was the father of the Jesus movement. But for some reason, people think that a certain group of people, they fathered the Jesus movement. Not so. Now, I'm all for evangelism, and I'm all for seeing people come to Jesus. But let's be careful. Scoffers will say, where is the promise of his coming? And that's what I am hearing by many organizations. And some people are saying, Bible prophecy? Not important. Some are saying when Jesus was asked what it would be like before he returned, he said to the disciples, it's none of your business. Not in the scriptures. Even though Rick Warren said it. Jesus said, take heed. And then he listed a whole number of signs. And one of the signs is one of the most important. It is, many will be deceived by many. In his name, false teachers, false prophets, false appearances. False appearances. Lying signs and wonders. By the way, get ready, because this so-called new move of the Holy Spirit, well, it's going to be revival of the Azusa Street. It's all getting together with everybody of different denominations and having unity. That's going to bring a great revival. Not really. Listen, it's not about experience. It's about the truth. And there are going to be a lot of experiences. And people are going to be, well, we got healed and we cast out demons. And this has been going on now for several decades. Check out the Toronto Blessing. Check out the Pensacola River. Now, according to Charisma magazine, oh, there's going to be a great transformation. You know, and stadiums are going to be full. We're going to have these massive meetings. Thousands of people are going to come to Christ. My question is, which one? Pretty negative, but I'm telling you, this is what the Bible teaches. I don't see any great revival. Is Bible prophecy being fulfilled in our day? Scoffers will say, no. But the facts will show. 
that Bible prophecy is being fulfilled, and we are living in the last days. And we better pay attention. We better take heed. Now, I was speaking in Birmingham, England. I think it was about a week ago. I don't know. My life in the last two months has been a blur. But there were several other speakers, and essentially it was a prophecy conference, and everybody was addressing, addressing different issues, and they asked me to do the concluding session. And so while I was there, I wrote a commentary, which best summarizes what I wanted to say. So I read it. And I don't know how many of you get our commentaries, but if you don't, you can get on our website and you can just sign up and you get them for free. They usually come out once or twice a week. But here's the commentary. It was called Meltdown of Christianity. And I'm going to read it to you quickly, but it will summarize the apostasy. Since the turn of the millennium, the world has witnessed a virtual meltdown of biblical Christianity. While many are saying Christianity is experiencing a great revival, this commentary will document the demise of Christianity by showing we are experiencing the greatest apostasy in modern-day history. In one word, Christianity is being redefined. A myriad of pastors have chosen to abandon the Bible in favor of postmodernism. There's no other way to describe what has happened. Those who love God and his word cannot believe what has happened. Light has turned into darkness. What was once believed to be true is now proclaimed to be a lie. Those who once claimed to be followers of Jesus in the Bible are now following men and their philosophies. Rather than reaching out to the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, pastors and Bible teachers are abandoning the Bible in order to embrace the world. They look for ways to market what they call Christianity by incorporating sensual gimmicks that are supposed to attract the masses. Hymn books are tossed out of churches from the pews. Pews have been replaced by soft theater seats with credit card terminals. Being comfortable while attending church is the standard. Don't mention sin or that Jesus shed his blood on the cross. That would be offensive. Then we can ask what happened to the God of the Bible who created all things according to the book of Genesis. When did creation become a religious Babylonian myth and the theory of evolution become the science that proves that an explosion plus time and chance is the formula for the origin of all life? Or what about the infiltration of the New Age movement into evangelical churches? Have we been Hinduized and now think that yoga is a Christian exercise? What about getting closer to Jesus by humming mantras, getting centered, or practicing Eastern mystical contemplative prayers that will send you off to nirvana? Have Christians lost their minds and been seduced by demons? How about the invasion of extra-biblical experience? For example, what about getting drunk in the spirit or barking like a dog because of the transferable anointing? Where is that kind of behavior found in the scriptures? Are Christians being prepared for a great revival? Or are they being seduced by another spirit? Then there's a trend that embraces ecumenical madness. They say... The term Protestant is a word that should be retired to the past and has no significance in the church today. Church leaders claim there is no difference between the Pentecostal Jesus and the Eucharistic Christ, worshipped and adored in a Roman Catholic monstrance. Or for many today, Jesus is nothing more than the cosmic Christ It seems or sees that all is one and 
all is all is one. This Jesus is the universal Jesus of the new age. If you don't believe in this cosmic Christ created by your own imagination, you're often deemed a heretic or at least old-fashioned. Then there's the charismatic bridge located on the road to ecumenical unity. It provides a connection for the gap that once existed between Roman Catholics and the separated brethren. Some are calling for the second Pentecost, claiming that the world will turn to Christ and establish the kingdom of God here on earth without the presence of the king. Further, Israel no longer has a significant place in Scripture. Jews are a problem to the new emerging church. Replacement theology has ignored the Israel of the Bible and replaced God's chosen people with the church that is about to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. In other words, Christianity has been reformed and those who refuse to accept this are considered, considered uneducated morons. Bible prophecy and the warnings about apostasy are totally relegated to a museum. One world religion for peace is in the making and the Pope and the environment is the man to do it. The postmodern mindset has hijacked true biblical Christianity and made God into God of their own imagination. The word of God has been degraded into a myth. And finally, or have you noticed the church growth emphasis that has swept the world? Purpose-driven megachurches that market fun and entertainment are growing exponentially. The churches that stress the Bible and salvation by Jesus Christ alone are dying and on the way out. The big get bigger and the small get smaller. It appears the Bible-believing Christianity is on the verge of becoming extinct. Now, now it sounds a little negative. I've been told I'm just negative, grumpy. Grumpy old man. Well, I do have white hair. But you know what? This is the way I see it. And I can be corrected. If I can't, then I'm wrong. And thank God there are churches. It's not all that bad. I mean, there are churches that are taking a stand. But if we look at the overall big picture, it is not good. So my question, how much longer? Lord Jesus. When God warned Israel, we dealt with that in the first session. Ezekiel, chapter 3, 17 to 19, Son of man, I've made thee a watchman of the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word of my mouth, give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from the wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Of course, that was... For Ezekiel. But there's a principle. A Christian who knows the truth, I believe, should not remain silent. Sometimes it's hard. But if you know the truth, why would you keep quiet? Jeremiah chapter 23, 1 to 3. Woe be unto the pastors that destroyed, scattered the sheep, my pastor. We already looked at that. The pastors are warned. 
Whoa! He's trying to wake them up. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people, you have scattered my flock, driven them away. Listen, shepherds are supposed to protect the sheep. Protect the sheep. Lead the sheep. Not to be wolves. Jeremiah 23, 16 to 20. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart. Not out of the mouth of the Lord. They say, Still unto them that despise me, the Lord hath said, You shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of no heart, No evil shall come upon you. Seems to be the message. There isn't an urgency. Not too many are warning. So is God warning the church? The same way today that the prophets warned people of the past who had gone astray by his word. Xavier emphasized, pay attention. Is there hope for the church? Well, we already read Matthew sixteen eighteen. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Daniel chapter 4, verse 35, And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stand or stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? God is sovereign. Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. See, maybe we could get the right perspective here from the Word of God. God's not shocked by what's happening, He told us in advance. When Jesus was asked what it will be like, he said, well, here I'll tell you, and now I've told you beforehand, he said. But the way is narrow, Matthew 7, 13, 14. Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. If we look at the heart of the gospel, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it all comes down to that. It's by faith. By faith in Him alone. Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And Paul said he wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Romans 1, 16-17, For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, also the Greek. For then is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then the heart of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1 and 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, 
but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. So where are we in church history? The Bible refers to a counterfeit bride that will be prepared for a counterfeit Christ. This would mean that apostasy plays a role in preparing the world for the harlot. The pressure on pastors to conform to the new reformation will continue to increase. Fewer pastors will watch over their flocks. The road to deception will be wider still. And I would say the road to Rome as many travelers. I don't think you can really understand what's going on unless you see the big picture. The big global ecumenical all getting together in a one world religion for the cause of peace in the name of Christ to set up the religion for the Antichrist. Second Timothy 4, 5, and 8. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Paul said, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in the last day, not to me only, but also them that love is appearing. Wonderful words should be echoed by every believer. So this question, as I try to wind this up in the next ten minutes, is God calling servants of the Lord to serve him faithfully in these last days? Yes. Why wouldn't he? He always has. Would it be any different? Now, I'm just going to share with you a little bit of my own personal life. I traveled a lot. I'm away from my wife and family. When my son died, the most difficulty I had was thinking about all the time I'd never spent with him. So this year turned the year over in January, and I thought maybe it's time just to spend more time at home. And I was kind of resigned to do that. But something happened. For me, it was like a personal wake-up call for myself which has now translated itself into a wake-up call for pastors, like-minded ministries. And it really surrounded a couple of verses. Jesus said, John ten eleven, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. John 10, 14, I'm the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. The good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Ezekiel 33, 2-6, Son of man, speak to the children of the people and say to them, When I bring the sword upon the land of the people of the land, take a man of their coast and set 
him for their watchman. If when he seeth the sword come to the land, he bloweth the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. There's a calling in the scripture for people that God calls to see the dangers to warn. It's not a unique calling. There's so much deception. God raises up people in various places, even in fellowships. But they're not always very well liked. Ezekiel 33 continues. continues, He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. Okay, this is very similar to what we've already said. So there's an obligation. The word of God is full of warnings and encouragement. Psalm 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have they all that do his commandments. And his praise endureth forever. Psalm 119, 99 to 102. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. Listen, we have the word of God. We have the Bible. And it will give us light that shines into the dark place, as I've already said. Psalm 119, 104, 105. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. So, on one side we have those that should know better that don't. On the other side we have those that should know better because the Scriptures reveal to them what's going on and what's already happened. So with this in mind, I know the day exactly. It was January the 7th. You know, I have some researchers that send me materials. I don't always get a chance to look at everything. And then, of course, I have ways of gathering information myself through Google. And when I received a notification from Google with regards to an announcement that the Pope made, and I went and I looked at the article and I listened to the video The only way I can describe it is I became unhinged. I'm going to show you the video. I'm going to show you what I heard. Pope is calling for all religions to come together because they all worship the same God. Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, Jews, Christians. We are all children of God, he says. I believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in love, sir. Confío en vos para difundir mi petición de este mes. 
Then they hold up various gods and religious symbols. He says, I have confidence in their prayers. I didn't make this up. It's called the PopeVideo.org. Put out from the Vatican. Now, do you see the significance? For me, it was a wake-up call. I watched this video. I sat down and wrote a commentary. Then I put together an outline. It's turned out to be a book. The book is called The Good Shepherd Calls an Urgent Message for the Last Day's Church. Then I called one of my board members. Then I called Pastor Paul Smith. I think many, most of you here know him. Pastor Chuck Smith's brother. Pastor Paul, what are we going to do? He said, we've got to get together. We've got to stand up. Nobody's saying anything. So Rob Yardley called Pastor Chris Quintana, and Pastor Chris Quintana offered his church to have a roundtable discussion, which we had January the 27th or 22nd. That was live streamed, and uh, there was a discussion that went on in a question period for about two hours, and, well, the issues were addressed like, you know, we've got a lot of problems. And at the end of the discussion, I said, well, we know we have the problems. What are we going to do? And the idea came, and I believe that the Lord planted this in my heart, was to form a platform. Yes, the church is facing a lot of problems. The Genesis record is a Babylonian myth. There's an infiltration of the New Age movement. There's extra-biblical experience and purpose-driven Christianity. Roman Catholic New Evangelization Program is bringing all people together. Replacement theology is replacing Israel with the church. Rejection of Bible prophecy by postmoderns, the introduction of vintage Christianity, which is essentially emerging church theology, or the church growth movement, which I call Peter Druckerism. Yeah, these are the problems. Now what? Coming one world religion. Isn't that what the Bible foretold? Listen, as I said, I've been a Christian for 40 years. My mentors in Canada told me about it coming. Chuck Smith taught about the coming of the New World religion. And now it's here and there's silence. From a fellowship that I've been part of for over 25 years. All of a sudden, there's a great transformation. And everybody's getting together, having unity and ecumenical. Let's all lay down our differences. Let's kiss the boot of a Roman Catholic priest. And let's go to the Pasadena, you know, the Rose Bowl. And let's just all have a big gathering. It's unbelievable. So we came up with an idea. We needed a platform. A common question for conference speakers is, where do we find a church in our city that teaches the Bible? You know, in some cases, it's a province or a state. 
Just can't find them. You know, I travel a lot, so I get to hear the questions. You know, I go to a prophecy conference in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and people come from all over Canada, and they say, do you know a church in our province that still teaches the Bible? I used to travel across Canada. Never had that then. That was 30 years ago. But the question comes now. The question is cross-denominational. Now, there are some good pastors that still stand. Unfortunately, they're in the minority. Often, concerned pastors remain silent. They don't want to rock the boat or lose their membership in the franchise. That would be embarrassing. So how can we facilitate building a platform? Well, number one, be led by the Holy Spirit. Number two, of course, be following Jesus Christ and Him alone, the Good Shepherd. Focus on the infallible Word of God, not on a man or his methods or his movement. We must encourage pastors to follow the Good Shepherd. We must encourage the sheep to find a pastor that follows the Good Shepherd or form a fellowship with other believers. In some places, that's the only alternative. Bottom line is, Find somewhere where you can hear the Word of God being taught. Secondly, I think that the platform needs to be both on the offense and the defense. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's what Paul stated. Number two, on the defense, contend for the faith. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write to you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. Jude, verse 3. Beyond the offense and the defense. Now, this is a football line, offense and defense. Believe it or not, I used to play football. And I played offense and defense. I'm from a small town. We had six-man football, and I played defensive right end and quarterback. I know you're shaking your head. (laughs) But that was quite a few years ago. And when I was on defense, I learned to study the offense. When I was on the offense, I learned to study the defense. And we had a pretty good team. I wasn't that good, but I had a good team. And I had a good line. Two great big guys on the line. Brothers. Between the two of them, I think they weighed close to 700 pounds. That might be an exaggeration. 700 pounds. But the guy in the center, he wasn't that big, but he was huge, strong. We called him Herc. And they would form a pocket, and I would just get the ball, and I'd flip it over the line to my right end, who could jump over top of anybody, and... We were fairly successful. Offense and defense. I think it's that way now. To contend for the faith, proclaim the gospel in the midst of last day's apostasy. And so we asked direction from the Lord. And we came up with kind of some ideas. 
Any successful ministry or business comes up with the concept that if there's a need, you find a product or a solution to meet the need, and then you tell people that you've got something. Hey, I don't want to sound like this is material. I just want to say that this is the ideas that came. And the result of this became a new website. And we announced this a few days ago on our website, and I'm going to announce it again here this morning. It's called The Good Shepherd Calls, only the website itself is called Good Shepherd Calls, not don't have the the in there. And what it is is a building or a platform for like-minded ministries. And so if you go there, you'll see that there's a statement of faith It's a website to post articles and events, email mailing lists for people to sign up, to announce conferences and to stream them, like what's happening here today, promote conferences, promote internet radio stations. Now this one I've got a question mark. Social media such as Facebook. If you've read any of my commentaries, we came off Facebook because I don't like it. part of the new world order. If you think I'm a little critical, just wait a while. Blogs for discussion. Encourage prayer groups to be established. Promotion of radio and TV programs. To mention some. Good Shepherd Calls. Check it out. Sign up for it. And already we have quite a few ministries that we consider to be like-minded. By the way, if they get off the rails, they just we take them off. That's not mine. I have a committee. You know, it's always important to have more than one person. Statement of faith, like-minded ministries, recommended churches, and I never promote anything, but I'll just show you the picture. <laughs> Lighthouse Trails is our publisher. And that book should be available before Christmas. Most importantly, pray. If you want to be part of reaching out to those that are deceived in this day, pray and be led by the Holy Spirit. With that, let me pray. Lord Jesus, I never thought when I became a believer that this would be something that you would call me to do. Lord, I never thought, even as a mature believer, that I would ever have to confront Christianity the way we now do. We are living in those days which you warned about, revealed by the Holy Spirit in your word, in what we call the New Testament. And the same warnings that we read in the New Testament are repetitious to the warnings proclaimed by the Old Testament prophets. 
History truly is repeating itself. And the time is short. So Lord, I appeal to you to speak to each individual that's here, who's listening, who watches. To hear, not from me, but from you. In Jesus' name, amen.